Hey there, if you're ready to take your mobile notary and loan signing business to the next level, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Sign and Thrive podcast with Bill Soroka, that's me, and friends. Let's go and get it. Hey everyone, as you're going out and getting it, remember that time is money. If you want to save 15 minutes per appointment and still stay in compliance and best practice standards for your notary journal, check out the Notary e-journal by Jurat Inc. It's designed to help improve your workflow and efficiency, and it allows you to capture signatures and fingerprints digitally right on your phone or tablet. This is the journal of the future. If you're ready to save time, money, and wow your customers, try the Notary e-journal for just $1 at notarycoach.com forward slash e-journal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sign and Thrive podcast for notaries. I would like to introduce you today to my very special guest, Stephanie Maloney, owner and client service manager of Premier Estate Planning. Hey, Stephanie, thanks for being here. Hey, Bill. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm actually looking forward to this conversation because uh, in getting to work with you over the last uh, few weeks now, um, I've learned a lot about estate planning. And I know uh, people listening right now are thinking, God, estate planning, I tuned in for this. But this is something that I'm I'm passionate about. I think this is part of my legacy here on earth. Somehow I still don't have that question answered, but I think it's here. And it's clearly something that you're passionate about too. Absolutely. And definitely something that uh, ties into your legacy and you've done such a great job with it. First, can you just for those listening who hear the words estate planning, what does it mean to you? Uh, To me and versus what the public feels. Well, I think for me, what estate planning truly is, it's about putting our permission slips in place Before a problem happens in our life, you know, we have an accident, we get sick, or of course, die unexpectedly. We don't all live to get to be older age. And it's about putting your permission slips in place that say, hey, if if for some reason I can't run my show, I'm saying while I'm competent and while I'm healthy, that if that ever happens to me, these are my people that I want to step in to my shoes and effectively run my life. If I'm incapacitated, I've had a stroke or a horrible accident, and now they're taking care of my bills. If I have a young family, coordinating care and all of that, that's that's what per, that's what it is for me. I think most people think about estate planning and think it's for wealthy, older people. Because listen to the term estate planning. It sounds like I need to have a castle with peasants running around me and I need to have an estate. And it is not about money for most of us. It's about being in control of our decisions under all circumstances for both our medical care and our financial lives. You're right. I mean, estate planning sounds kind of bougie. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, and I I feel a lot of people get tripped up on that, but it's really just about a plan for your stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, uh, that, uh, one of the ways that you stood out to me is that you didn't necessarily focus on the death part of it, right? It's not necessarily just what happens when you die. It's what happens when you get incapacitated, which happens a lot. I mean, obviously we all die, right? Death happens more often. There's no escape from that, but incapacitation happens a lot too. 
Why, uh, why is that so important to you? Well, I think the big reason it's important is because we all skip over it. We all, you know, when we start thinking about implementing documents, and I think for many families, you know, if they decide to have children, that's kind of a first adult trigger that you go, oh, because, you know, now I have somebody I'm here, I'm responsible for. And you start thinking about that person. But again, I think we're mostly thinking about when we die, where's our stuff going to go? How are our kids going to be taken care of? And we really, truly skip over that. What if we don't die the first time we try and we're here? Because obviously we have our modern medicine. It keeps us around. And sometimes maybe we shouldn't be here, but we are. And I, I will joke and say to my, especially my single male clients will go, well, I'm going to be dead. Who cares? You know, because they just, they don't really have anybody they're worried about. Right. But I say, if you don't have your permission slip in for your medical decision making, you might be here longer than you wanted to be too. So oh, yeah. it matters. And it's, it's like, it always is where I start with clients and they're always just taken back, like, because they weren't even thinking about that. Yeah. So tell Tell us a little bit more of what capacitate incapacitation could look like. Well, Bill, when I, the first thing, when people will say to me, what is the most important documents that you think people need? You know, maybe it's for costs or trying to save money or they just don't know where to start. If I say this out loud, most people go, oh yeah, but think about our 18 year olds that surround us. And if you have any 18 year olds in your life, you're not really feeling that they're probably very adult yet but the government says they are. And so when people ask me that question about which documents are most important, the powers of attorney for both health and financial, because we can't even make a decision for our children that very likely could be in high school at 18 if they're in an accident. Now, if you're in a small town, you know, you might get around these, these rules, but if we're in a normal size city, these are not only our permission slips, but they're liability relieving slips for all the people we interact with, the medical professionals, the financial institutions. And we have to really be thoughtful about, hey, what if something happens to me and I'm still here, but I cannot operate and run my life? Hmm. And it's just you got to get people thinking about it and you got to get these conversations started before what I say is the house is on fire. You know, now mom's had a stroke. And she can't talk to us. She can't write, but she's still here and she can look at us. And we're all going, man, we've never asked her these questions, you know, cremation versus burial. Imagine looking at your 22 year old kid having those same thoughts in your mind because you never even imagined for a minute you could be dealing with a younger person that you care for that's facing this. So when you think about like nursing homes, not everybody in there is older. You know, we had a 32-year-old grandson of a client have a stroke. He's 40 today, been living in assisted living since then. Why did he have a stroke? Who knows? But it was a horrible experience for the whole family because they didn't have paperwork. They didn't have their permission slips in place. And his poor wife, who was a stay-at-home mom doing her job with her three children, she was in a process called guardianship and conservatorship for four years until his 401k money was gone because the government says that was his and not theirs, which most married families, they feel like it's their pot for the future. So again, that's where most people are saving and you've got yours, they've got theirs and we say it's ours, but the government says it's individual people. 
And so many people too say, well, I'm a beneficiary. I of course can do it, right? No. You know, it's... There's so much more to this. And on t- so on top of the trauma of yeah. dealing with incapacitation or a stroke at 32, which you just don't expect, right? No. Or car accidents or death, then you've got all of this other stuff paperwork um, that has to be gone through. So this is, it's almost a, a, a gift to the, your family mm-hmm. uh, to have well, these things in order. And when I, when people, you know, if they're ever, I think cost is a big factor that keeps people at a distance from even investigating formally, you know, taking a consultation because it's, it's intimidating. And in most States you do have to work with uh, an attorney, you know, if you're going to go engage someone, you have to go to a law firm and that's, that's intimidating for most of us. So we just put all these objections in our way without even really knowing if it's factual. And I always will say, if somebody's concerned about cost, I say, well, you know, after you've learned what I've shared with you, if you still decide not to implement documents to solve these issues that we've discussed, you can rest assured that the cost of the plan you have in place is far more than anything I would have ever sold you. And sometimes people will go, well, I don't, I don't have a plan. And I'm like, well, then yours is going to involve courts and attorneys and, and going to cost a lot more for your family and a lot more frustration when they should be able to spend their time and energy focused on caring for the person that's sick. I think a lot of people, uh, I know every state can be different, but do you, uh, that process that you're talking about when somebody does not have a, a trust in place or a last will and testament, that's, is, are you referring to probate? Well, Bill, it's through the probate court. It's called guardianship and conservatorship, where we're guarding the person, conserving the funds. And if someone doesn't have their power of attorney, for instance, and they go to a 401k firm for their spouse saying, hey, you know, my husband, my wife was in an accident. Um, I need to get in charge of their 401k. The market's crazy. We want to go to cash. Whatever they're trying to do, perhaps accessing the money. And the firm says, hey, do you have power of attorney? And of course, most people don't. And they say, well, I'm the beneficiary. This is my spouse of 20 years. And that, you know, they're just going to look at you and go, I understand. But and I, you could even know them yourself. They could be your advisor for your 401k or your IRA. And they find out that, gosh, you know, we need a power of attorney. You can't just make these decisions because you're married to each other. And, you know, it's we cannot make assumptions with regards to this type of paperwork because it it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. This is the stuff I don't think we even think about. And you alluded to it a few moments ago with the um, the objections that we put in place of our own mind. but. It, in your years of experience, because you and your family have been doing this for how long now? Uh, like about 30 years. 40 years. Uh, and so why do, you, why do you think people avoid this topic so much? I heard an estimate real quick, even before you answer. I heard an estimate that uh, there's uh, some crazy percentage of people that they think do not, in America anyway, that do not have estate planning. And I did the math on it. It's about 180 million adults that do not have oh. their affairs in order. Do you think that's accurate? And why aren't people talking about this? I or, for sure or- think that's accurate. Well, one of our favorite things to say here at Premier is that Americans' favorite river to swim in is the river of denial. You know, that this is going to happen to us. So we think we always have longer. You know, one in four people don't make it to 65. 
And when my father-in-law started in 1968, that was the same stat. It hasn't really changed. Our longevity is happening on the other side of 65. So I, I think, you know, we just procrastinate and we're not forced to do this. It's not like our taxes that we get a deadline every year where we're supposed to get those filed and taken care of. This is up to us. And so we just don't do it. You know, we always tend to put ourselves last. If you're business owners, you know, your your stuff for your own family goes last because you're taking care of your clients and all of that. For some reason, you just go on the back burner. And I think with this, it it's just easy to procrastinate because nobody is forcing our hand. We don't have to do it. There's got to be something else, though, because Stephanie, I, you're helping me out with my own yeah. trust, right? And you sent me an email last week after our, after our consultation with a whole list of whatever the next steps were. I have it in my inbox and I'm passionate about this topic and how important this is. And I'm still not doing it. And I'm pretty good at doing things I don't have to do. Right. So why is this such a dance for people? I think there's a laundry list of reasons. You know, sometimes our families aren't perfect. And you know that when you're having to sit down and face the reality of what maybe your life is, and it's not so rosy. And, you know, with social media, of course, I think even as well-seasoned adults, we can fall victim to what we see publicly and think, oh, everybody's perfect. And look at my my crap show I have with my kids or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. or people start thinking about, you know, when you think about who is going to do this job for me? Not everybody has that assumptive family. You know, I would say the families that I serve, probably 90% of them pick their kids, their adult children to ultimately be their people because they have nice relationships, but not everybody has children. Not everybody has close relationships in their lives. So when they start thinking about, you know, who could I ask to do this? They kind of get into, I think, a little spiral of like, well, maybe I could pick Bill, but oh, you know, I don't know. Bill lives so far or maybe I don't like this about Bill, you know, he's good in this, but not this. And we just, again, we just make up excuses, you know, and, and of course the cost, we think we know what it costs, but have you really investigated when people meet me, they are usually so shocked by our costs. They're like, is that for everything? Yes. Because we don't work like a traditional law firm. We realize that you've got to charge the right price for clients. Um, you know, so we, obviously you're making money, they're getting good service and good quality documents, but we don't have to take advantage of people. And so many people don't know there is other opportunities and options to get these documents implemented in a more comfortable, consultive environment at a more reasonable cost. I'm not saying that our costs are cheap, but they're definitely more reasonable. You know, it's an investment in your life, getting your estate planning done. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I can... I was pleasantly surprised with your price point too. And I, what I love about it though, is it makes it, there's an accessibility factor there. Cause I mm-hmm. think when people hear estate planning, they do, they automatically think, well, I don't even own a house or uh, whatever it is. So why would I spend that? I know they think it's t- thousands, tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. Yeah. And it's not definitely not the case, no. but in most cases um, right. for, for us here in this, in on earth, I think, um, the uh, but that brings me to a, a, another question, though. So, do you, what's your thoughts on who needs a trust? Well, let's see who needs a trust. 
All right. So most people, Bill, I really feel like they think trusts are definitely for wealthy people. Now, we, we kind of joke around and say that a lot of people, especially before Google was a thing, they would get their estate planning education from like movies and TV. And if you think about any time you think you've seen a trust represented in that format, it's usually a trust fund beneficiary. But they're wealthy, they're driving around in their sports car complaining about life because it's so hard. So they're a trust fund recipient. You know, somebody left money to them, very kind, with rules attached because they knew my beneficiary, love them, but they can't control themselves or love them, but they're too young. You know, whatever the reasons are. And a trust allows you to create that kind of holding tank when we have beneficiaries in our life that we're concerned about. And that could be a two-year-old. Obviously, they're not old enough to be a beneficiary yet. And you can be living in an apartment, not own one asset yet, but have kids. I mean, you don't even have a car, but you better have life insurance. And so you need a trust because our minor beneficiaries cannot properly inherit what anyone leaves behind for them with a traditional last will and testament. It will get to them. You know, some people think that if we don't do the right documents, the government gets our money. No, it'll ultimately get to somebody in your family if you haven't put it down. And if you have children, it will get to them. But it ends up in the probate court in guardianship and conservatorship. And then when this minor gets to the age of adulthood, 18, then they get their share that's there for them. Million dollars still in high school. Great. $100,000 on drugs. All right. They're 18 and the government, the, the probate courts aren't going to go, well, you know, you're not quite ready, Michael. I think we should hold this back. They're 18 and they get. So who, who needs a trust? Anyone who has minor children needs a trust. Um, the will is great because that's the document you say, hey, if we're not here, this is who's going to be the guardian of my, my minor child, because that's always going to go through the courts because they want to make sure the person you nominate it can still do the job. Now, as we get into our adulthood, and maybe you're in your 60s, and you don't have a lot of assets, it, there's a threshold, a dollar value in every state for real property. In Arizona, it's 100000 I think in California, it's 150 of property value that will trigger probate if you don't have proper documents. And of course, we can also just have stuff, money in the bank, jewelry, things like that. In Arizona, that threshold is 75000 So it just kind of depends. There are ways that we can help families avoid probate without having to execute a trust, but it really depends on their beneficiary situation and what they're trying to accomplish on that side. And that's why it's really important for people to get their education and not just ask their friends, you know, what are you doing? What, what was your situation? Because we don't typically compare everything, you know, she needs a trust. And so you think you need a trust, but did we talk about our backstory? Did we talk about other things that led that person to that decision? Maybe you don't need one, but, and just like, sometimes I get people in here, they're like, oh, everybody says I just need a will. And so I just always ask for permission. Well, can I just share with you the result of going down that path versus maybe looking at a revocable trust. Because there's a lot of marketing that goes out to people, especially senior age, involving estate planning and trust. And there's a lot of firms that like to do low-cost trust in an effort to hopefully get an opportunity to sell you something. 
because they know, especially when we're dealing with seniors, you know, by the time you get to that age, everybody knows they need to get their stuff done. That's why I say like our average age of client, especially at our seminars, 70 at least because they're retired, they have time to go to that stuff. And at this point, they're like, okay, these people sound like they know what we're doing. It's like, Bill, we got to get this done. Let's just go with them. They sound good, right? Versus, you know, back, and they were probably thinking about it for 40 years, especially a lot of times in the relationship, the wife, you know, she's like, we got to get this done. You have kids, then you know it. And we just keep kicking the can down the road. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, it's so funny because as a notary, I, I love these estate planning appointments that I get sent on because of that. There is this almost... Uh, relief at the table that they're like, they, and I do, I believe most of them have been for 40 years. Like, oh, I really, there's been shooting on themselves for 40 years. <laughs> we should have a trust. We should be doing this. We should do it. And then they finally doing it. And you can see the peace of mind on their face. And then mm-hmm. there's a gift in being a part of that process. Yep. And what, what about age though? Do you think, do you think the, this estate planning conversation should be happening at a younger age? Yes. When we, part of my service bill, we do what's called successor education. Like I said, most of our clients, they pick their kids to be their people. And I refer to your estate plan, like your toolkit, you know, you're finally getting your toolkit in place and you say to your son or daughter or whomever, you know, you're going to be my executor. You're going to be my successor trustee, my attorney, in fact, and you know, they're going, well, of course, mom, absolutely. I will. And they're telling you, well, the the magic book is in the safe at the house and you're, you know, everybody's like, okay, now we know mom and dad have documents, but like, we don't really know what to do, you know, when it comes down to it. So we, we ask our clients that we serve, let us talk to your kids. Let us talk to your people that are going to serve. So they have an understanding and an idea of how to implement and actually start using this paperwork. Because if we have an accident and incapacitation or a sudden death that we weren't expecting, it's in your lap. And now you're like, oh, crap, it's me. I'm the person. What do I do? And we don't want our families to get caught up in processes that they don't need to be going through because they did have the right paperwork. They put paperwork in place that said, hey, when we're gone, you don't need attorneys in courts. You guys can handle this on your own. But they don't know it. So we we like to get them involved as soon as possible. And when we work with families that have young adults up to 30 years old, we do powers of attorney for them. Because we know if those young adults have problems in their lives, more than likely, it's going to be their parents or another family member that has to step in and now start doing things for them because they don't have a person yet. You know, they're not in a relationship And many times they don't have a lot going on yet financially. You know, they're just getting started. But that process costs money. And whether or not they have it, if you want to be able to be the one taking care of your family, you're going to put the money up, get an attorney and go through this process to become their person. Mm. So the younger, the better. And obviously my kids have been eat, sleeping, breathing this. I mean, it's so funny. My, My older son is training with me now and... He's 25 and he goes, mom, I think I'm starting to bug my friends because every time he gets together with them, you know, it kind of comes up because he's practicing and he's also recognizing like, holy cow, this stuff is important, you know, and he's been hearing it, but now he's feeling it because he's already lost a couple buddies. He had a, a really good buddy who was doing awesome as an electrician. 
burns over 80% of his body in an accident. He's still here, but he's not doing very well. So, you know, and I'm sure his family had to go through all of this because he's 23. You know, you just don't even expect it, right? No, no. Yeah. So, you know, our, our kids, once they start adulting, they have adult problems. <laughs> so I think the sooner the better. So if somebody was listening to this uh, episode right now, what, no matter what, how old they are, over 18, 18 to 97, um, and they wanted to get started and they can pull themselves out of the shame and the shitting and just get started right now, what, would, what step would you recommend? Finding a good professional to take a consultation with. You know, you can start Googling but you guys know, look how, how much information we have at our fingertips for absolutely everything we want to learn about, which is awesome. I mean, I think back to all the things I would have loved to have had Google for, or be able to go on YouTube and learn how to do something, but, or find somebody good on that format, you know, that you go, oh, I like their content. They're making sense to me. Because when we start Googling this subject matter, you know, it kind of depends their point of view, how they're presenting it to you seen plenty of times where you're getting a lot of push that, oh, there's no need for a trust here. No need, no need. Written by a law firm that does a really good practice doing probates. You know, uh, probate's not a problem for a law firm that does estate planning. <laughs> that is a big revenue generator for them. So I think, you know, you got to find a professional, you know, everybody who's good will offer free consultations. We help families all over the country. And just getting that education and bringing things to your attention that you wouldn't even think to look into, you know, I mean, you just, you're not thinking about this because it's not what you do. And so much of what we see also just leads everybody to wills. And there's lots of popular pers radio personalities that talk about wills all the time. I wish they would talk more further about different documents, but they don't. So most people just think that's what they need. But find somebody who can really answer your questions and and not make you feel dumb. You know, I think yeah. that's a big one because I think most of us want to feel intelligent when we're going to, you know, so that's what we'll start doing a little research so we kind of know what we're talking about. There are so many synonyms for every title we hold in these documents. There's four planning documents just for our monetary stuff. And we have a different title in each one. Our people that we put in these documents have their own titles and it's confusing. Yeah. And then I think that keeps you from actually going and doing it because you're like, now you feel like you really don't know what you need. <laughs> so right. you're like, next weekend, next weekend. <laughs> and then 40 years later, yes. you, you, you might get it done. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and in particular to our, our audience on this show with notaries, um, what I'm, what I'm even learning because, uh, I've been working on ways to, to market directly to this industry because I love the appointments so much. On our end, they can be lucrative, but they're very rewarding for the reason I described. You know, you're bringing peace of mind. You're part of that peace of mind process. But one of the best experiences or best way to get experience is just to do this stuff yourself. That's what I'm learning. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what the signers are going through. Mm hmm. This yeah. is why they are confusing. This is why when they do DIY paperwork downloaded from the internet, that it looks all discombobulated and they've got questions. Yeah. And I, you know, you can go on, you know, legal zoom or whatever that popular, the documents will be fine. 
I've even reviewed some. Sometimes people come in, they're looking for a notary. I'll notarize their documents. I'm going to tell them what they've got. And I'm going to try to, you know, market to them a little bit more. But the documents are fine. The problem is the people doing the documents. We don't know the lingo. We don't necessarily know. Are we putting the right people in the right positions? It sounds right. right. I had met one guy. I'm not sure how he found me, but he calls me. He's done his whole trust and estate plan on LegalZoom. He emails it over to me to take a look at it because he's just confused because his son is in all the positions where he feels like he should be. You know, every signature is for his son, not for him. He's just like, I don't understand. And he had already passed his window of opportunity to get, I guess they'll modify it if it's within a certain window, you know, if you see errors. So he was outside of that window. And I said, it looks like you put your trust, you know, your son into what should be your position. You know, it's, he just didn't know that his son was supposed to only be a trustee and he was the trustor. Just a little, you know, and I think even that service will offer a legal review for a couple hundred bucks. But why are people there? Because they don't want to spend that. And, you know, you roll in the dice. And then, of course, there's more steps that go into creating a trust than just executing the document. You've got to do some follow up work. And if you don't have a good coach with you to say, hey, now we got to get these next steps done. Later on, your family's going to be thinking that what you did didn't work. When in fact, it was you not finishing your work. But because they don't know what they're doing, they just think, ah, this trust didn't work at all because we're in probate, which can still happen. And that's because I just say you just didn't get good coaching up front. And is it my job to make sure people's trusts are funded? No, but I want my families to have success with these documents. (laughs) I don't want them to feel like this didn't work at all. Why'd they spend all this money? So. I can feel confident. The only families that I know that have ended up having probate issues was because of a car or a little extraneous account they had that just got missed, you know, but Mm. for the most part, things get done and it's important. Yeah, it's pretty solid. So when it comes to finding that coach or a consultant or an advisor to walk you through this process is I know part of I, you mentioned the intimidation process and it is, but should they, how many people should they talk to? Is it like interview three? If the guy's a jerk, do you just deal with it? If he's really good at trust, what's, what's an important quality in an advisor? One thing that I see a lot with traditional law firms, they have people complete huge input forms before they'll even give them an appointment. I would never take a consultation with a firm like that personally myself. They don't need to know that much about you to be able to provide education for you. They're data gathering. They want to see, one, how much they're probably going to charge you in the end for your planning, because a lot of firms charge on your ability to pay, not the work that's needed. And what do I mean by that? They do a formal intake. They see you're worth $10 million, pieces of real property, this and that. Your plan's probably going to cost more than the guy who's worth three. But the guy who's worth three, his stuff could actually be more complicated. And that's how we charge families based on their work. You could have the same, you know, that $10 million family. Maybe they just have a really expensive home, couple bank accounts, a brokerage account, some cars. It's not complicated. It's they just have good wealth, you know, look good for them. They did well, but they shouldn't be punished in their planning fees just because they can afford it. So I would not take a consultation if they want me to fill out a 10 page inquiry. Um, 
they should be able to provide a free consultation for you. And as far as number of people, I don't know if you hit it the first time. I think it's important you feel good about who you're sitting with. Yeah. You know, don't go strictly with cost. Obviously, if this person's 10,000 and this person's five, you really like the 10. Well, maybe you should tell them, I really like enjoy you, but your price is so out, out of the ballpark. Can you work with me? You know, but I think for me, I know how I do things. It's about how I feel about who I'm sitting across. And I always tell the families that we're serving, I'm like, I hope we're going to be in each other's lives until either you're gone or I'm gone. We treat our clients like it's more of a family. They get our cell phones. You got to feel like you have that level of comfort, in my opinion, to ask those silly questions because everybody thinks their questions are dumb. When we're in seminars, I make people stand up. I'm like, ask that question. That's a great question because everybody's got the same one. You know, so I just think it may take you multiples, but I, I know a lot of our clients, they don't go anywhere else once they come here. So we just make them feel good. We answer their questions and, and we bring in the whole family. If they want to, you know, sometimes they want to bring their kids in. That might be my age because they're like, yeah, the kids have been bugging us. We need to get this done. Do you mind if our kids come? I can't imagine somebody would say no, but maybe they do. Maybe they would want to charge them two planning fees. I don't know. So just make sure they feel right. And you'll know it. We all know. You know, we've dealt with salespeople and just different people that were like, oh, no bedside manner, right? Like horrible doctor. You're like, so same thing. Just feel yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's probably why um, I feel so comfortable with you as well, because in most of the people listening right now, we're, we're in a relationship-based business mm-hmm. and we get, we get uh, an opportunity to at least hear about estate planning and living trusts and last wills or at least the medical directives all the time. That's our everyday life. And finding somebody to refer to uh, is a little more challenging than uh, I'd like to I'd like it to be, right? I want somebody I, that if I said, hey, call Stephanie, Stephanie's going to answer the phone, be cool and give information, right? Mm-hmm. And treat people respectfully. You don't always get that in this industry. So thank you. It's pretty refreshing. Well, and to your point about referrals, I, I, I've been burned a couple of times giving referrals, you know, to a tax professional that I actually hadn't used, but I met them, thought they were a good person, learn later, not so much. So now I do not give referrals unless I know, unless I've at least experienced their service, sat with them. And I know because that it does matter. And when you know that you're handing your, your client off to somebody who's going to treat them like you do, it feels good. You know, you know, you don't have to worry, like, what are they going to say? Or do they, you know, you just have full faith and confidence that this is going to go well and it's going to enhance what I've already done for them because they go, oh man, that was a great referral. Thank you so much for introducing me to those people, whatever, air conditioning, plumbing, estate planning. And what I think the most important part in that referral process is with estate planning, whether or not you want to admit you have your documents, because a lot of people, they don't want you to know they don't have their stuff yet, right? So they want to pretend they know how all this goes and understands. I, I still will say, well, I know, but you know what? I'd like you to still sit with me. Just I want to show you what I show people so that you can feel confident in how I'm going to educate your clients. And usually they finally will come back and go, well, I, you know, I need to do this stuff too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Think, yep. In order to be able to really hand it off and feel good about it, I think they've got to hear the message themselves. Yeah. Because then they can also t- 
talk about it or when they're now hearing conversations, they can chime in or, you know, just have a little bit more to say with confidence. I call it being conversationally competent in this arena. Yeah, which is super important. And then also it's just that, you know, several years ago, I prioritized peace of mind for myself and my life has been so much better. And this has been one of those things that's been stuck in my, in my mind that I've been shooting my, uh, all over myself on it. I got to do this. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. I promise Stephanie, I'm going to answer that email and get you that information so we can get the ball rolling on this. Uh, as we close out today, do you have any closing uh, comments about the importance of getting your stuff together? Hmm. Do it. You know, don't don't wait another month, another year. At least take your consultation. Figure out what you don't know. So at least you can get that ball rolling because I call it plant. We're like farmers. Once we've planted that seed that you're thinking about, it sometimes becomes a thorn because you're like, let it stay there a little bit too long, you know, but just just do it. Don't be scared or intimidated by the process. You got to figure out what you don't know. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to connect with uh, Stephanie, uh, she makes herself very available. You can just visit notarycoach.com and we'll have links. Plus in the show notes right underneath, we'll have a link links directly to how to contact Stephanie. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be working a lot together. So thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sign and Thrive podcast for notaries brought to you by the Notary E-Journal. Notaries all over the country, including California, Texas, and Florida, are raving about how efficient this journal makes their appointments. Here's what Paul has to say about the ID scan feature. This is Paul from California. I'm a mobile notary, and I love using the Notary E-Journal because it just saves me so much time. And I don't even need to worry if I'm spelling their name right or if I'm reading their numbers off their IDs wrong. The app scans it for you, and there's no human error here. It just scans it, has the dates already ready for me, and I'm good to go. Thanks, Paul, for that completely spontaneous and unscripted testimonial. This ID scan feature, guys, is a secure way to quickly capture data from an ID without putting your client's information at risk. You've got to see it in action for yourself. Try the Notary eJournal for just $1 and test out the scan feature today at notarycoach.com forward slash eJournal.